Welcome to episode three of the La Fontaine's podcast with us, the band, Kerr, Jamie and Daz. If this is your first time listening, let me quickly put you in the picture. But I recommend you go back to the first episode, listen from there, so you kind of get the gist of what's going on. Each week we will share a story from the book Jamie wrote. The La Fontaine solved 12 of life's most common problems. The stories are taken from various scenarios we found ourselves in over the years, but delivered from Jamie's point of view, as he's usually the one inviting her to carry on. In episode one, you heard the story of crack and the big smoke, where Jamie was tricked into smoking crack cocaine in New York by some friendly drug dealers. Episode two was the Five Skin Express, where Jamie got barred from playing the tea in the park, even though we were playing there the next day. And that brings us to episode three, Inshallah. It's about the time we went to Morocco to film a music video in the Sahara Desert. In this episode, we discuss the sights and sounds of Marrakesh, the mysterious smoking men of Morocco, a magical genie called Larson, and Jamie's ultimate sexual fantasy. If that sounds like your bag, then continue to listen on. As always, join us at the end of the podcast where we advance in the story a little, ask a couple of our own questions, and generally just have a laugh. Hope you enjoy it. Cheers for listening. came to the fuzzy conclusion that my ultimate sexual fantasy is to get my head kicked in off the Emirates birds. Not my teeth out, the lot. A right good bashing. I don't know what it is about them. Maybe it's the gang mentality and you see them swarm across the departure lounge. Shrouded in a cloak of mystery, they seem to know things that us mere peasants don't. I'd love for them to chase me up one of those escalator walkways and totally kick fuck out of me in their wee red hats. It's around 8am and we're checking camera equipment into Glasgow Airport for a flight to Marrakesh. We've chosen to go to the Sahara Desert to shoot a music video for our song King. I'd been there a year previously to Morocco, had done some travelling about and reckoned it would be feasible. The price of flights, travel and living in the country would make it a realistic possibility to work within the budget we had allocated ourselves. The Emirates lassies sadly don't seem to notice me but the easy jet lady with the big strong arms accommodates us with a lovely tender smile. She puts us all to shame lifting the heavy luggage onto that big belt with great ease. A couple of us go outside for a last fag and I deposit some contraband into a grey bin that would maybe prohibit me from going anywhere except the cells. We get through the boarding pass bit easy enough but there's the usual shite of taking off your boots and belt. The expected happens they take me aside, giving me the now customary pat down, and they pull out all my stuff out my rucksack, giving my pants a particular inspection and a thorough swabbing. They find nothing but grim desolation. My pants are still wet, as are my socks. The gas hasn't been paid in my flat, so I couldn't dry them, and I thought, what better place than the Sahara Desert? Surely the heat there would resurrect them back to glory. I explain this to the police, and they're less than amused. Not completely unamused, but somewhere in between smug and contempt. I'm told to get on my way, and I feel suspicious as I shuffle into duty-free trying to hold up my temporarily beltless chinos. The perfume girls from Chanel and Dior catch my eye, but they're nowhere near the standards of the Emirates lassies. It's just the ultra-camp guy for Beckham's new whiskey who summons me. I have a wee flirt with him to try and get a second dram. In the WH Smith, I'm buying some Monster Munch 
a copy of the papers and one of the big duty free carton of fags. Women asked to see my passport and I fumble in every pocket trying to find it, emptying my wet pants onto the floor and the counter. Fuck, I can't find my passport, sorry. I shove the wet pants back into my bag and I start to panic. I run out of the shop and sprint towards the police. They can see me for a hundred yards or so running as fast as I can, ignoring both the band and my newly found whiskey boyfriend. Both coppers look at each other and they guffaw as I breathlessly inquire about my passport. They ask the relevant authorities about it, as slowly as possible it seems. Nay joy, I'm back out into the checkout area and I'm running past another group of beautiful Emirates girls. The strong-armed woman with a motherly smile is more helpful and she sympathetically puts out a call to some other airport cunts. It's not been found. Retracing my steps, I procure it for the grey bin where it's been nesting in next to a cluster of my pocket dwellings. There's some Asians there who look befuddled as I peer back out the bin, delighted with myself, holding my coveted prize of a passport. I try and explain to them that I didn't mean to put my passport in the bin, but they don't speak English, so it's just me pointing at the bin and then pointing at my passport, then back to the bin again. Back upstairs and I try to skip the queue, but I get snibbed and I get sent to the back. Eventually I get through the scanner, my bags have been flagged again, so I stand waiting on the people having a feel of my wet pants once more. I pretend somebody's phoning me so I can ignore both the police and the guy that was flirting with selling the whiskey. The band wonders where I was running to as they finish their £15 fry-ups. There's no time for me to order this grand, so we proceed to the gate. I had just enough time to get the paper and the monster munch that I wanted before. The flight lands in Morocco about noon. It's a good temperature. Being April, it's about 25 Celsius in a cloudless blue sky. The sun smiles down as we depart the plane and the moon is also present. When we get inside the airport, the sixties put on sunglasses and we swagger towards the customs desk like a crap reservoir dogs. Perch upon poofs more like. I'm first in line. But as I'm ushered towards a desk by a smoking moustached man, there's a morose epiphany, as my passport is no longer in my breast pocket. Another jaunt backwards, and a few sweet talks to let me back through outside and back onto the plane. There's a grumpy wee Welsh woman, holding a hoover, and she's glaring at us. It was found in my chair's wee pocket next to the sick bag and in-flight magazines. Another man, with a bigger moustache, declines my desire for a stamp on the passport. He grudgingly beckons me through while shaking his head. How else will people know if I've been to Morocco if the man won't give me a stamp? Disheartened, we head over at the currency exchange where they wouldn't accept my £500 of Scotch notes for Durham. The cashiers hold it up to the light, inspecting and scrunching their noses. Phone calls are made and about six different smoking moustached men are consulted but it seems unexchangeable. I need to, for the next week, constantly barter with the rest of the band with fluctuating exchange rates. A major inconvenience and everybody else who had the foresight to do the money-swapping thing the day before. Outside, the sixes are guided into a yellow taxi by a smoking man with a moustache. Four in the back, which they will experienced, but for the first time ever, there was three years in the front. I've got the weeest bum, so instead of a seat, I've, 
I've just got to hover above the gear stick as the driver manoeuvres his hand in between my legs. He honks his horn cheerfully as we set off towards our digs in the city. Traffic is crazy and the cabbie navigates expertly through throngs of mopeds and other taxis. Every other vehicle is honking their horns in this 15 minute period of travelling, all for various different reasons. The universal sound of Marrakesh is the honking of horns, along with the calls to prayer from the mosques. We have a run me joke throughout the week that's actually somebody reading at the FIPA scores. Vacating the taxi, we are greeted by the manic scene that is the Jamaa El Fana. None of our party can pronounce this, so it's just rechristened the big square. It's the old execution site in the middle of Marrakesh and it's just this constant whizzy energy. People dressed in clothes for Indiana Jones films, selling spices and shouting in Arabic, in amongst snake charmers, monkeys dressed in nappies and guys doing dentistry work sitting on buckets. Tiny lanes packed with vendors and exotic smells lead the way to their digs for the night. Obstructed by smelly donkeys and wee boys trying to punt hankies, we get up into the guesthouse where we are welcomed by a smoking moustached man with mint tea. A quick check-in and we soon rendezvous on the roof to smoke some nice hash in the company of several dozen storks who are either lazing around or balancing on one leg. It's optimum condition for the laundry and I scout a secluded sun trap away from the storks to dry my knickers as the mosque announces the SPL results. Oscar, who's the guy that's directing the video, my pal since day one, has got a couple of ideas in mind for what he's wanting for the video, but we're all pretty clueless about what the end product will be. It's decided that we head out a wee stoke and get our bearings around this crazy city. There's so many colours and bizarre scenes that present themselves almost immediately that would be ideal for shooting, as they say in the camera world. A few prime locations are noted and ideas get curated, so we stop and have a little bite to eat. A tagine gets ordered, which is served in a big clay sharing bowl of mixed stuff. It appears to have too many bits for me. I'm not really into the bits. The group readily try the local cuisine to positive reviews and they enjoy the bits, but being dubious of the stuff and the bits, I just eat six bread rolls and a wee bit of un-bit-touched couscous. None of that foreign muck for me. If it's no bread or chips, then it can get to fuck. A few different travel agencies are sought out, and we find a couple that are desert-bound. Somebody leads us downstairs into a smoke-filled, brown-tiled room with only a desk and two moustached men behind it. Fist in one hand, with moustaches pressed against the cigarette yield another. We troop into the room all smiles and handshakes, but the men just give serious nods of the heads, rustling their tashies a wee bit on their finger. It wasn't the warmest of welcomes, but we get down to business. Oscar, Kerr and Fraz, our tour manager at the time, are right good at these negotiations and we're battering for the best deal. So they do the talking and I do the daydreaming. The Moroccan, chuckleless chuckle brothers open their arms and smile and we all shake hands and hand over the dosh. A bus is leaving for somewhere, is all I've picked up in the deal. Extremely vague details, but it's got to pick us up at nine the next morning. Nice one. We leave the room walking backwards, nodding and smiling and handshaking all the way up the stairs. 
Cafe Clock is this cool place that we found by accident and it's got live music and traditional storytelling. It's not really a touristy venue and they wonder what our story is. We now have our first gig in Africa booked. But it's on Friday night. We're going on this mystery bus tomorrow, Monday. We're hoping to get to the desert. We'll be back Friday afternoon for the gig. Class. Full of mint tea and excitement. We return to the markets where Samara brobes get purchased. The Turkish in care means he knows how to haggle with the traders. Same with Oscar and Fraz. Me, John and Daz, on the other hand, we're too pale, quasi-Irish and Catholic for it. Everything the three of them seem to buy seems to be half the price. I'm particularly bad at negotiating money, and even worse when it's in dirhams. The locals convince me every time that my price is the best, and I'm a total sucker for it. Eventually we find a place that sells beer, so we get a wee drink and smoke a shisha. Up early bells the next day, I fetch my underwear for the roof and I say good morning to the storks. We get on board this rickety mystery minibus with some Germans and a Korean family. The bus shudders to a start and sways out the old city walls into the stunning countryside, which was void the honking horns or any other traffic at all. Fuck knows where we're off to. Within one hour, the minibus was up in these snowy mountains which looked a million miles away for the, the heat of Marrakesh. A delightful snowball fight has begun during a stop, but it is brought sharply to a halt by the barking bus driver, who gets grumpy at the near miss of his moustache by a rogue ball of icy slush. There's a few locations we stop at over the day, usually at various sets where films have been filmed, Gladiator, Star Wars, etc. There's some cool places, but over the course of a dinner, Comprised of bits and stuff, a magic genie in blue robes appears from behind one of my bread rolls and he informs us that the barking bus driver's rickety old bus is not going anywhere near the real desert. Little Girl's Desert was the barker's destination. Real Man's Sand Dunes was Lasanne's. Lasanne was quickly named Larson and we blindly gave the King of Kings our dirhams. The shugly bus honked its horn in syncopation with the barking man in the driving seat. He barks instructions for us to board the bus, but we shrug and shake our heads trying to explain. The driver cares not, and off he whiffs to the little girl's desert. Larson, who didn't have a moustache, had previously drove the photographers for National Geographic, so he had some good ideas up his genie sleeves. First he drove us in this six-seater to some halfway house, where a tagine and more bits was laid out. Too much foreign objects in it, so I opt for some rolls. The next morning we go on the best car journey I've ever been on, highlighted by Henrik's choice of sounds. It was a USB stick with all this assorted African music. It was in random shuffle, but it seemed like it was designed specifically for the trip. The surroundings of the views and routes that Larson took changed dramatically every hour or two. Red sandy rocks with snake and impossible roads to vast green pastures. It looked like how you might think where the dinosaurs would have once roamed. Truly astounding again was the soundtrack in the Nigerian gospel choirs and jazz blues from Mali. Larson passes round Keith that we smoke from an intricate long pipe as we meet this lonesome donkey tied to a tree near no one or nothing. 
a small debate about what to do in case this lonely donkey belongs to someone and we've set it free and it gets lost. We can't fit him in the car either. Collective guilt as we just drive away, leaving him looking all sad and dusty. At night time we stop at this other bed and breakfast in a place called the Valley of the Roses. Early bells again and we're off to the Sahara for the night. There's a stop in a city called Wirzazati where they film Game of Thrones and we get stocked up in the biggest bottles of water and highest factor sun cream. It's the last stop before Larson leaves us in the hands of someone else and there's an inexplicable and healthy anticipation. Into the last bit of road before it was just rocky ground, the top-notch soundtrack is interrupted hilariously by Aqua's Barbie Girl. We can't breathe from laughing in the people carrier, while Larson just drives on, unaware of what's funny. David Goetta was on the speakers, as we finally meet our desert-dwelling guide in a landscape of sand, with his herd of camels, who've all got flies in their eyes. We can see massive dunes in the distance. This is a big boy's desert right enough. Big bastard camels as well, and I'm not too keen on them. Mines appears to be growling. Sitting on its hump, you must hold on tight as the grumpy camel stands on his backwards knees. Off we start to trot. The camels are tied together in single file, so it's easier to help keep them in line. As far as I'm aware, you don't get camel dogs. Frazzy's camel, which is last in the line, has somehow managed to untie itself and wanders off leaving my friend to squeal in distress as his GG starts to walk in the opposite direction. It was some hassle as trying to get it back with all the camels we were all chasing it round the desert. Once we get him back, there's a competition to see who can roll a joint on top of the moving desert beasts but nobody succeeds. We stop for a pish outside this random shed. It was locked and a Sherpa man couldn't explain its existence adding it to the confusion. We'd read about desert mirages but we could actually chap this shed's door. I thought it was quite a nice wee shed. A few years later we also came across this set of skis sticking out of sand dune. Again, the Sherpa was unperturbed by this. His lack of concern for random desert artefacts was starting to annoy me. Maybe that was normal in these barren parts. Maybe it's the same as when we find like trolleys and that down the Clyde. The sun has moved to the other side of the sky as the camels descend a big dune towards a makeshift camp. The site has large canvas sheets pulled over five foot wooden poles in a circular shape with a space in the middle for a fire. Dismounting the growling camels and sprinting up the sand we make sure we get the best use of the daylight for the video. And out of this world sunset happens where we sit at the highest point to reflect. The sky is the biggest I've ever seen it and the clearest stars begin to twinkle. It's a bit hard to work out how to get back down this 50 foot hill. I think that's why the camels have got backwards knees. Logic prevails and I do a big long forward roll. I thought I broke my neck but I just had the wind knocked at me. I get helped up five minutes later and taken back to the camp. While we wait on our supper of bones and bits, Fraz starts to squeal in distress again. Under his camel's wheel duvet is a fucking scorpion. It's an ugly, ugly little demon. Like an armoured spider, 
with crab arms and a cattle prod? No chance. The Sherpa guy only seems animated when Kerr asks him if it's dangerous. Of course it's fucking dangerous. He picks it up by the stinger and goes to release it somewhere. Maybe that's what the wee shed was for. Scorpions. He travels to the wee shed in the night on a pair of skis to store the scorpions. I couldn't stomach the big bowl of whatever it was for Saharan supper and there was no bread rolls, so I went hungry as the weather started to turn cold. The scorpion would not leave my head as everyone went to bed after the shaman's 45-minute song and drum performance. He was entranced, but I got quickly bored. By this point, I was wearing every bit of clothing I had with me. Everything was tucked into everything else to get me maximum defence for the scorpions. I stayed up wide awake with the fire for a good while, but decided to eventually lie down and had horrible arachnid-infested nightmares. Candidly awful. The day of the gig, and someone has managed to get a Wi-Fi signal for one of the camels. It looks like the gig will be busy. Cafe Clock have promoted it well, and it seems like there's a lot of people going. By the time we meet Larson again, he's pushed for time to get us where we need to be to catch the only bus back to Marrakesh, but he gumps it on the gas anyway. On arrival in some little town, we bid our farewells and he sips back off into the African sun. Standing in the dry heat, it's decided to go for a stock up of juice and supplies for the four hour journey ahead. Walking back in the distance, there's a sugly minibus coming out of the dust and it drives right past us as a smoking, moustached, barking man backs something as he sped on. Someone manages to get Wi-Fi from the cloud of dust and we let Cafe Clock know there would be no performance that night. It was totally gutting, but we would never have made it back in time. Tomorrow would be no use either because they had the belly dancers booked. There's a caravan park about a mile up the road and we're told by curious locals, so we go up and managed to get a few beds for the night. It was quite luxurious, with a swimming pool and a wee bar. We'll just chill out here for the night. There's another bus in the morning. A wee drink and we watch Alan Partridge safe from the harm of scorpions. At noon the next day, we're back in Marrakesh and we waste no time getting as much footage as possible for the video. We found this tiny traffic island that we would get class shots of the cars and the scooters. It looked great through the lens, as if the cars were all driving round about Kerr while he's rapping. After a good few takes, it's brought to the attention that the police are across the road. They're pointing and they look stern. Once they manage to dodge the traffic, they tell us to follow them and their moustaches back across the road and down to the police station. En route, Oscar manages to beautifully slip the memory card thing out his camera and pass it backwards. This is important because they made us delete all the footage on the camera. It was sheer genius. Down at the slammer, it was by no means Midnight Express, but it was not pleasant at all. We got taken again to a brown room with a desk and some chairs. There was talk before of the consequences of filming illegally in the country, but it was reckoned we'd just get away with it. After waiting on a translator for a good few hours, we just sort of walked away for the prison. A couple at a time, so it was still a little bit inconspicuous. They only half-heartedly tried to stop us, the most passive jailbreak in history. 
Back at our hotel that evening, the sound of the track King has been played from downstairs. Kicking her heads over the balcony to see who the culprit is, it's the police. One of them looks like a classic detective. They would like to serve these passports, and as you'd imagine, mine's isn't where I thought it was. I can't remember who smooth-talked the police, but after I returned downstairs with my freshly found identity documents, it was on the roof next to my makeshift washing line. They were away. Freedom celebrations are held watching the belly dancers at the cafe clock. The shisha pipes are flowing, and without the staff it will return one day. Inshallah. If God wills it. Another taxi picks us up in the airport the next evening. Again, there is four in the back and three in the front, with me squatting in the gear stick, because I've got the weirdest bum. A group consensus that it was probably the best adventure we had had so far with the band. It was a once in a lifetime thing, unless, like me, you've been before. A twice in a lifetime thing in that case. <laughs> I meant to put that scene I was writing that story. I meant to uh, keep putting in put that in like every what that you uh, had been because I went to every slag I'm for because I was like right see we get there we should go and do this because uh, <laughs> I've been telling the waitresses or folk in hotels and that's like I've been there before I've, I've been here before <laughs> I know what I know how it goes down. <laughs> do you think that's still one of the best places we've ever been? <laughs> Right, right. Going to the Sahara Desert was mental. The place we were originally going to go, they called it the Little Girls Desert or the Coca Cola Desert. One guy I said, coke, "I guess it was mostly or tourist." But I remember driving up, and it's it's on approach. It's it's just like you're driving through the strap or something. It's like all gravel <laughs> and like crap, and then I just it gradually gets more and more sand, and then before it just it just it's it jaw dropping. See like the, the computer screensaver you get where you type aye, in like, aye. it's like a Windows, a Windows screensaver. Aye. It's phenomenal. I am like watching the sunset, smoking, smoking a doobie in there. And remember the time we arrived there it was like uh, two o'clock or something like that and we weren't allowed to go in. Because it was too hot for the camels. Too warm for the camels. It was too warm for the camels but I, I remember before we went in that town of it and we got hundreds of water and sun cream. And Bankhead was like, everything was getting factor 90 and like massive, massive bottles of water, but because it was only April, it was like it was the weather was just quite nice. It's got to be the hottest thing ever, and it was actually like Aye, it's pleasant. <laughs> it's pure fear mentality, it's like the coronavirus stuff, everybody buying all hand sanitizer. I thought, uh, I mind being on the camera thinking this is <clears throat> this perfect temperature. Mm. <laughs> it's funny how freezing it gets at night though. Aye. Did we get there and then we only had an hour of sun and then it just got like instantly freezing and dark? Never get, never get instantly freezing. No, no, we, we it got cold at night, but it got dark and then it was like still. We we arrived, we arrived with like minutes to spare to go and get ready to go up to the top of the, that was the I, June, June and film the sunset. The me didn't sync the camera, like we just made it in time. I you only, I remember you only had like one or two goes at it. I totally to run through it. Um, and then, then we managed to just catch like you rolling down the dune, Aye. you know, breaking your neck, and oh, it was amazing. But man, it was phenomenal. It's quite a mental thing to do. Just take this mad leap of faith to go with a guy, a guy. A guy. <laughs> like if he the fucked us or anything, we'd just be in the middle of nowhere in Morocco. <laughs> well, we'll prior to that, I think, because we 
to get to one of the cities, no, to get to the barking, the barking driver, as you called him, that was just a kind of travel agent. Aye, I was just from Marrakesh, it was just a wee day trip. Aye, well, so that time we were going to go back. Aye, that was fine, but then we, we, we bumped into the genie, as it were. Aye, that was just I'll a random you. guy Aye, at, at, who was there. A, like a Moroccan version, like a... a, a uh, like a, a, a BC, service station, and he was dressed like a genie. So I think that's why we were taken by it. But like in hindsight, was he not just sitting eating dinner with us or lunch? With no, no, it was, it, 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 where we were, it was sort of like it was like a service station, like a Moroccan service station. But, uh, the bus we were on stopped there, and we were all getting something to eat. Mm-hmm. And he was just kicking about, and he came up and said to us where we were going was the Coca Cola Desert, the Little Girls Desert. Right. But it was very convincing, so we're like, all right, cool, well, we'll go with you. So we just stayed then. And then I remember... But was that, you know, was it like three nights with him or something? Mm-hmm. Aye, aye, aye. I mean, that, his trip was phenomenal. Three nights, was only two nights with him because one night was in the, the desert. I think as well we'd kind of realised, we'd been in Marrakesh for like one or two days filming, we're kind of like, right, we've filmed everyone, we can and film yeah. here, we need, to, we need to go I elsewhere. I think that was perfect. Aye, it was, was amazing. amazing aye. But I remember Oscar and I... I had to go with one of the Sherpas in a car with two of his pals like for two hours to do the money to do the money thing because there, no, there was no ATMs or anything like that so, so we had to go with them to pay it but it was like it was like two hours away man and it was getting dark and it was like total fucking Paraville because like, where the fuck are we going here I don't know this guy and they're all sitting talking laughing in the front smoking that key from me <laughs> Oscar in the back like we're fucked here man and we were away for the Afghan border. I think you were chilling by that mad caravan pool place. Oscar and I, Oscar and I left you oh, for a while. I remember that, aye. That rings a bell. It was absolutely fine, nothing happened. Aye, they, they were bang on. They were brilliant. Great, great guy. Aye, they were great driver. <laughs> so good. I remember as well with the, with the scorpion. Um, I said, what would happen if one of us would get stung by that there? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like laughing saying we would use magic <laughs> <laughs> was the, the see the no, valleys I mean saying uh, <coughs> you ask it's, uh, it's dangerous it's just I'm going yes <laughs> <laughs> yes and that's dead funny eh? but I mean the, the reason that all came about was that bands generally when you go to a music video it's the kind of typical setup is get in a room and play the song like it's live and they'll film it from different angles and you can maybe put on different clays and <laughs> Kedonies are cool as well Kedonies are cool and we'll do something in slow motion and then by that point <laughs> we were like we'd be better just taking the two grand or whatever it was I can't even mind how much the trip cost it wasn't much nah, it was, wasn't, wasn't maybe as much as that the and flights we'll just, are like 70 quid or something right. and we'll just go away so the idea was with the King videos Every time I was doing sync to the camera, I would, I would spin it left or right or up or down and it would go to a new place. So we managed to blag, we managed to blag loads of it for free. We done we filmed in the bars, the bars market, and the bikes, which we got, the chopper bikes from various pals and people we knew. And we done that. Oscar was in the back of our boot with the car driving, we were just riding up beside him. We managed to get the the place where the kind of cereal scene is, was that, um, they're not M&Ds? That's, that's under the storm. No, it's not. No, there's... there's is that King? Oh, I saw it is, aye. It's in that steak and cattle roll oh, place. Oh, aye, 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 aye. So it is. It's like a mad grease theme type bar. And then... We thought we'd hit up Murrayfield Stadium to see if we could do it in there. Aye. 
And I remember him saying, I absolutely, uh, what budget have you got for it? Because it costs like something stupid, like four grand to turn on the lights for the stadium, just to turn them on. And now I'm like, we don't even have 40 quid, mate, so he got again, just go back and say, cool, we'll send a tweet <laughs> in, you can do it for free. And he came in and he had King playing through the stadium and, and he had it on the big screens. And I was doing sync there, and then... And then we went down to London as well. Then we went to London <laughs> to film a bit. Of, I mean, there's loads of stuff that never made it, like mm. us filming in the Mabbard escalators in Russia. Um, oh, fuck. What? Just got sync in the escalators where people trying I to like, get to like, work. Oh, right. I, the underground in, in London. Spent like two hours or something, like you like, rattling with me behind you with the... Well, going the opposite way. Aye, just aye. stuff like that, aye. I must have been so annoying. Of course it was annoying. Aye, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was, never it was made it. Rotten. I've done the 40s in... Central Station, we've done the same thing. Did I get a, a, a time-lapse photo? Time-lapse photo. We've done time-lapse photo. We've done the middle. For ages <laughs> while we all walked by. I still. Looking like fannies. I feel... Terrible thing about that. Cringy thing about it. And also then we went to the Emirates Skyline thing. We've done a bit of that. And then we had the boys who can't every make and look. We got them after they finished work. We went to the work because we got a big PR for them, which was one of the places where it's got like fucking eh, multicoloured couches and like the ball pits and all that. It was one of the PR firms where people can just relax, like a kind of fucking Google type place. That's mad. So then from that, so that was all the kind of UK stuff. And then we went to Morocco. And I remember getting off the plane in Morocco and getting into the taxi and then getting out on the road and just thinking, why the fuck do we just not go to Benidorm? This is mental. We got here. really bumped in the taxi as well, didn't Aye. we? It had seen us coming a mile away, man. It was like 30 quid or whatever, and then we didn't realise once you get there that everyone's like Four two pens. pens <laughs> but the taxi getting. For the airport to Marrakesh, right? I mind, I mind saying that. Because you'd be nice. Honestly, you don't get those taxis because they bump you. And then from there, we went to a wee guest house, which was great, with your storks. And then the first time we seen them pour the tea from about a mile away from the cup. The tea was. Mm-hmm. Is it, it was mint tea. Mm-hmm. It was like super sweet mint, mint tea. tea. I think I brought something back with me. When was it we. The Polis came? Was that's that when we came back to Marrakesh? Or, no, that's when, no, it wasn't actually, wasn't it? No, that was Aye. before we went. That's why we left to go to the desert. No, it was when we came back. It was like the last day. I think it was. I was it. Right. Aye. Aye. So what? Well, so we were filming. I was doing sync, facing the traffic. As the traffic would come. No, you were. You were. You were. You were in the facing the track. You were facing the same way as the traffic, but standing on this wee traffic end, so it looked like both cars were coming and splitting round about you, like... Mm. Do you mind the guy, I don't know why I've just remembered this, do you remember the guy who had done the face swap? <laughs> <laughs> My face swap? <laughs> I, I was going to try and find it, but... <laughs> no, I, I, that was my profile picture for ages, I've got that. so funny. Have you still got it? Ah, it was on my Facebook profile picture. <laughs> <laughs> So how did Larson come about then? Was he part of the Genie's team? He was a Genie. No, he wasn't. He wasn't the guy. Larson wasn't the guy that, that lured us in. The Genie was a different guy. The Genie was the guy me and Oscar went with to go and pay. All right. Well, I just wrote in the, the, the way I wrote the story was just about Larson. No, no. So he, he, was he, in, he introduced us to all, Larson, and Larson was wearing all blue. Aye. That's why I wrote the Genie. So I just thought it was him. No, Larson wasn't that guy. Larson was not. He was a brilliant boy. How did the Cafe Clock gig come about? Uh, Cause 
See, because I had been there before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, meant to be a cool wee cafe to go to. Uh-huh. Uh, and then we went there and then, just because they were wondering why fucking six Scottish folk come in. Do we know? Like, what he's doing, sort of thing. We're going to make a music video and then going, oh, you're a band. And then... Uh, you uh, could play here, sort of thing. You play here on Friday night. We could get you... There wasn't going to be, like, full... I'd be like a kid. Yeah, but they had like a, a bongo drum and a guitar, which is still enough to. Try and get a gig with it. Aye, aye, they fucking say we're playing. I'm playing in Marrakesh on Friday night. <laughs> I wish that had happened, man. I thought it would have been great. Just to say, I've done a gig in Africa. What is it about? Well, this would have been, but. Uh, there's still time. Aye, hopefully. They play in Africa. What is it about uh, bits and food that you don't like? Um, Why do you only like chips and bread? Well, I think it's just see with meat you get like especially when it's on the bones and that like gristly bits and uh, the time because I'd been there before <laughs> <laughs> I remember meeting these two guys that owned the shop but their house was sort of the shop as well like the Cleaned a bit away at night and slept yeah. there. They had said, You, do you want to come in for, for dinner? One night I went round and he's like, What do you like? And I was like, Eh, uh, chicken. And then, oh, he comes back five minutes later with a chicken. <laughs> a full fucking chicken. And then, like, <laughs> I didn't watch him do it, but I knew. I knew that the full chicken apart from the feathers was in that <laughs> tagine thing. Like absolutely everything like was was what there. The no, he took the feathers off. But like, I, there wasn't much. I, I was sort of at the corner of my eye, I could see him take the feathers off, but then <laughs> I knew he was like started like choking its head off and all that, pulling all the fucking bits, all yeah. the bits with it. You need to eat this. He's went to this this bottle. I think it's just because I knew that all the. I don't know what they're called. Innards. Wasn't it just... I, I meant a... chicken. I, th- I meant like... <laughs> I meant chicken like chicken burgers. <laughs> 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 and then they meant... I, I suppose... Didn't specify. I'd like... Something with bread... Chicken with bread crumbs in it. Obviously that's at the time that you weren't a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. So... It would be 2015. Do you look back fondly on the, how good the tagines were? They were good for the first couple of days, but then it was every fucking day. That was all we got, that's all we ate. I remember there was good olives. There was good olives. Um, I, I, I love the tagines, man, I could eat that. And that good last shit. I, I could eat it now, probably. It was just after like Maybe. The, f- the fifth one or something, and they, they, they pull it off as if it's going to be something different. <laughs> 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 it's just the same fucking thing. <laughs> the food at the market bit was good, I remember getting good, good shit there. Kebabs, maybe getting it was kebabs. kebabs. There was a lot of like m- dancing monkeys and stuff, I remember. I just chained up. Yeah, I don't know, like that. They're like, 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 they're Fucking horrible, isn't it? Snakes, man. Yeah, uh, there were snakes. All sorts. I couldn't recommend the place enough, though, by the way. Mm-hmm. Have you been back? Have you been, have you been back to I, I went to, when I went back, though, I went to... Uh, Tangier. Why have I forgot it's not called Tangier? Uh, Esauira. No, it was Tangier. Tangier. 
That's where I went, which was nice, but totally different, right? Different. Aye, totally different. I'd, I'd still say Marrakesh walks it in terms of experience. Um, remember when we were in the in the desert with the set up for the night sleeping? Another tour group came as well, with Italians was, and stuff. I think it was just an Italian couple just appeared there, but they appeared there when it was dark. Aye. Like, somehow just... Were we drinking? Did we have booze? We never really got any booze. The, the no, food, not, we had a couple much. of nights in Marrakesh. Well, we had a drink. We, there was one like, like touristy place and it was just a British or European people all bevying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quite hard to get booze. Ah, there's only, only a couple of places to sell it because I've, I've been there before, so it's like... you've been there before, so yeah. Uh, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you knew what you were... I knew Thank God you got there, by the way. I don't know why we needed this Larson guy. <laughs> Remember we all bought caftans? Did you buy a caftan? Eh, uh, aye. Aye. Bought a couple, I still wear I one. And I bought a, like a, a black overall type thing. Aye. And I bought a wee teapot and the tea. I still oh, like aye. my caftan, man. I, I still wear that kicking about my house. Is that a caftan? No, it's not actually a caftan. Yeah, the caftan's aye. another one. My one's a... This is just jumpers. We just got sort of... It's like a half caftan. Only way a... Caftan? But like that, it's still fucking start right, but half calf, half calf. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else from that you've got? Just a bit of uh, frazzling on the camel, just like how surreal that was. Uh, when the camel's coming up the hill and his is just sort of walking away, but it's, <laughs> be surprised at the sort of speed that he's just <laughs> disappeared <laughs> into the desert on this camel, screaming. <laughs> <laughs> what well, the camel's chained up? The, guy, like, the guys were just kind of like leading them. Uh, like they were, we were on the cameras, kind of felt they, bad. There'd be, be rope between them, right? But uh, tied to like the a wee hook at the like the back of each person's one. I didn't like when they started skeleton the cameras to go the the way that they should. Better on skeleton us. Tell us where to go. Nothing much worse. They were also hoofing the old cameras, weren't they? Aye. And the novelty of them wore off definitely after the first 20 minutes. Oh, aye, 100%. How would I say it? That's a shame. Imagine doing that for months. Do you think they're doing that right to now? To get to Cairo and all that. <laughs> Trading your. Uh, I don't know what they say. Bars of macaroon. <laughs> Julie babies. Anything <laughs> else? Um, the only bit I was thinking about was just that word shooting <laughs> because we were there and we kept having to say that we were, we were shooting we were shooting <laughs> 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 I still, I still get, find that weird when folks say can't like any photographer will just use it normally but what, I'm, I'm shooting him I am shooting this band tonight or yeah seeing that um, seeing that about when they the Polish guys came and walked us. What was it? Was that like a holding cell it took us to? It just looked like a wee bit. Looked like a taxi rank or something. Like, what would time if we never went with him? No, there wasn't a... There wasn't any... It never alluded to the fact that we could say no. It wasn't like... Uh, it was a very big language battle. Aye, 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 but... I remember him saying, you work BBC, you work with BBC. 
you work with BBC, you must pay. They were basically looking for a because you need you need a permit to film mm, in countries. So when well, we just tried to blag it, so when they took us, they were trying to get money off us for filming there. And like the story says, I remember Oscar being total class while we were walking there. He was just shooting bits of like the the road or like people walking by. Uh, as if that's, as if that's, that's what, what we're, we're doing. And then knowing that we would get it, have to delete it. And he slipped the card to one of us. He gave it to John or something like that. Who planked it. <laughs> and then they went in giving it you what BBC. And Oscar was like, look, I'll, I'll delete all the footage then. I was a story not that we were just filming a video. A, t- a, a tourist? A, a, a tourist had uh, like a holiday video. I remember me, eh? We're only profiting off of it. Just a group of pals <laughs> <laughs> filming each other. But then that, but that's that's where it got a wee bit sticky because when we managed to, when we went away to get a, a translator, and we just kind of two by two left, and then they came back and got us at the hotel. We only knew they were at the hotel because we heard their song King playing. Mm. So right. what had happened was the guy who was the guest house. Who owned the guest house? The Johnny. The Johnny, the guest he, house or whatever. He grassed us in. He grassed us in because we've been telling him we we're a band and all this. Like, so he's playing the tune. So, so then they get us down, wanting all the passports, giving it. Look at this. You're not just you're not just filming my friends with you. are a thing. But then just nothing happened. But then, but then we, <laughs> then we sort the sound, of uh, we kind of talked talked away with it somehow with lots of smiles and Did they not handshakes. End up? Enjoying it? Uh, there's a funny, there's a funny photo of. Aye, they, few, they heard the riff. And <laughs> there's oh. a funny photo of a few of us and the guy that ran the guest house. He's doing a mad people's eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> I wore a fedora the full thing. That's what you did. Oh, you did, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think about the fedora on. All the time I went down at the gym. No, it's just my hang. I'm about doing a 10k, my fedora. <laughs> fedora. Anyway, so that was Morocco, in a nutshell. So uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Hit us up on the Patreon. And uh, is it Patreon or Patreon? Patreon, I think. You want to call it, Jimmy? Uh, if anybody wants to give us a few quid, they can, because we'd always appreciate it. It'd be great to get a few quid so we could put it towards our next adventure. If you want to donate 50p or £50, there's a good game yeah. we could play. Whoever donates the most money <laughs> will shout you out and, and dedicate one minute, 40 seconds of the next podcast solely to you. <laughs> so get those bucks flying in. <laughs> and if you don't hear one minute 40, that means nobody's bothered their arse to donate. <laughs> but uh, that was Marrakesh in a nutshell for the La Fontaines. Join us next week where we'll be sharing another story from uh, the Concrete Seas. From the vault. From the vault. From the vault, eh? Cheers. <laughs>